Hi, my name is Dr. Mark Allen Derry, and I'm an infectious diseases specialist in New Orleans. Just as a reminder that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Hi, my name is Doc Griggs, and I'm a community medicine doctor and health literacy expert. This is the Noise Filter Podcast, where an infectious diseases physician, that's me, and a health literacy and communications expert, that's me, talk about what you need to know about COVID-19. You can find more information about this show and our other daily live updates and Q&A show at noisefiltershow.com. So let's get started. All right, welcome to Noise Filter. This is Dr. Mark Calendary. Doc Griggs is not able to be with us today. So let's go ahead and get started. COVID's impact on Arab American communities. Dr. Hassan Femi initially started a podcast to represent and address a variety of issues affecting Arab American communities, but the discussion soon focused on the pandemic and other healthcare concerns facing those communities. Dr. Femi learned that Arabic speakers have fewer resources and often rely on platforms where misinformation is quickly spread. Dr. Femi spoke to NPR about important issues in this community. Unfortunately, there is not much data regarding COVID-19 in Middle Eastern and North African, also known as MENA, communities. Other doctors reported late last year the disproportionate impact COVID had on these communities with regard to hospitalization and infections. Now, part of the reason for this lack of data is that people with Middle Eastern and North African roots are classified as white by the White House Office of Management and Budget. This type of classification is followed by all federal agencies and many hospitals. This not only affects data collection, but also distribution of federal funding. There is a high prevalence of high blood pressure, smoking, and cardiovascular disease in Arab communities. Many Arab immigrants and refugees have special needs. They live under the poverty level, are uninsured, have less education, and Arab communities face certain barriers that white Americans don't. Throughout the pandemic, many immigrants and refugees worked on the front line and in essential jobs. Many in this community can't socially distance and are confined to overcrowded and multi-generational homes. Community members and organizations have tried to mitigate the disparities with COVID by relaying public health information in accessible ways through community health workers and providing materials in Arabic. But this only takes us so far. There needs to be more data collection on these specific communities in order to better understand and address their needs and to address the public health inequities that they face. And as somebody who identifies as a North African, I'm a first-generation American whose parents are from Morocco, this story resonates very, very deeply with me and something that will continue to follow. Nonprofit helps Indian parents access prenatal and infant care. In late March of last year, India enacted a strict 21-day lockdown. This made mobility and medical access for parents and pregnant people in the nation incredibly difficult. Public transportation stopped, private hospitals were shut down, and public health care facilities were inundated with COVID cases. Now, while the lockdown has eased up since then, hospitals are still incredibly overrun. 120 hospitals are still closed, and the crowds at those that are open are too risky for many expectant parents. This means that many patients in the nation are missing out on effective prenatal care that could prevent developmental issues. 
According to NPR, child mortality in the nation at large has worsened due to COVID-19. So, one Indian doctor at Kama and Alabes Hospital in Mumbai is the founder of the nonprofit Arman. This nonprofit uses tech services to aid maternal and child health care in the nation, and it has used its resources to aid those who lack adequate access due to the pandemic. They partnered with the Indian government to develop a service called Kilkari, which sends automated voice messages of health information to Indian women. The messages provide tips for detecting problems before they become serious and for tracking their children's progress. So Kilkari has a supplemental call center staffed by volunteer doctors who can answer questions directly to pregnant people and parents. The nonprofit also helps some medical practices to set up medical appointments through WhatsApp in order to overcome issues of transportation. While most Indians do have access to cell phones, there are many low-income communities in the nation that this program misses. And according to one doctor, government officials must ensure that maternal care is not left behind in midst of the COVID precautions. Russia struggles to vaccinate population. Russia was the first nation on the globe to approve a COVID vaccine, Sputnik V, for public use. According to The New Yorker, the nation seemed to have ambitions to lead the charge and to vaccinate its own population rapidly. But the country has fallen to the 65th in the world for vaccinations. The rate of vaccination in Russia started out high in January and has dropped exponentially since then. In March, Moscow was inoculating its residents at less than half the rate of New York City. The nation saw issues of both supply and demand that hindered vaccination progress. First, Russia has seen massive vaccine hesitancy. 60 to 70 percent of Russians are disinclined to get the dose. According to a professor in St. Petersburg, the nation's population is generally not trustful of its ruling system. So while they may not be resistant to the idea of vaccinations, they don't place enough stock in the government's approval process to make the jump. Russia's government didn't make much of a public campaign in favor of the immunization either. According to the New Yorker magazine, some experts in Russia suspect that they opted out of a forceful push for an unpopular idea. The country also hasn't seen a particularly strict lockdown, so things may appear relatively normal to a layperson in the nation. This doesn't make the vaccine particularly necessary. So, the low demand for the vaccine is matched with the low supply. Russian officials continue to scale back their ambitions for manufacturing the vaccine. The nation lacks adequate manufacturing infrastructure, and for something as volatile as working with organic material, as the country faces a possible third wave of the pandemic, Russia's goal of herd immunity is looking further and further away than before. Promising results for drugs that target the immune system. As we inch toward that light at the end of the tunnel, research shows promising results for drugs that target the immune response to COVID-19. When the body is infected with COVID, its immune system is often overwhelmed by the extent it needs to work to fight off the virus. Researchers have been working to develop drugs which aid the body's immune system to more seamlessly combat the virus. Now, earlier in the pandemic, the drug dexamethasone served as a strong anti-inflammatory steroid, which mitigated some of the strenuous work done by the immune system. For a while, it proved to be the only successful drug in assisting the body's response. Now, several new drugs have been developed to similarly render aid to the body. 
pharmaceutical company Humanogen recently got FDA approval for emergency use of its drug, Lenzalumab. It works to reduce the risk of needing a ventilator once infected with COVID-19. Now, the medication is defined as monoclonal antibodies. The drug is designed to inhibit certain molecules which work to regulate the immune system. When overworked, these molecules normally create inflammation. But with the interference of the drug, this inflammation is prevented and the immune response is less overwhelmed. Now, the catch with these new groundbreaking drugs is that they are quite expensive and they serve as engineered antibodies, as NPR puts it. Major pharmaceutical companies will likely sell single doses for thousands of dollars, and once they hit the market, it is unlikely they'll replace the more affordable steroid options. Additionally, the drugs still require several stages of testing and trials before they can become available and socially accepted. However, it is still an amazing accomplishment and another win for science. Just as a reminder, that COVID-19 and the human immunodeficiency virus do share the same risk factors. Doc Griggs? Thanks for listening to the Noise Filter Daily Podcast. Dr. Derry and I have a daily show at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time where we go into more detail on stories and answer your questions about COVID-19. You can find Doc Griggs at DocGriggs1 on social media, and you can find me at Dr. Mark Allen Derry or at D-R-D-E-R-Y. You can follow us at Noise Filter on Instagram, Noise Filter NOLA on Twitter, and for more information about us and the show, you can go to noisefiltershow.com. Hey, Doc Griggs, any last words? Remember, get checked, get fit, get moving. And remember to get some rest to boost your immune system. And Doc, protect yourself and others by staying home, and please wear masks when you go outside. Remember, health is a human right.